Welcome back to Jokerman Podcast, a podcast about Walter Becker today. <laughs> podcast about good music. Good music, yeah. Uh, I'm Ian. I'm Evan. And today we're joined once again by the man behind your favorite Steely Dan meme account on Twitter.com, at Bad Dan Takes, the mysterious Alex. Welcome back, Alex. Thanks for having me again. I, I, uh, Feel honored to be back now for a uh, third time. Third yeah, time, yeah. That's that's some kind of uh, you're up there in the higher echelons of, of Jokerman guest. I think um, it's you and Stephen Hyden are the are the three timers on the show. So you're wow. you guys are right up there in the pantheon. Um. Anyways, we're uh, we're gonna be talking today about uh, a, a nice little 1994 album. Uh, we we did uh, we we did the Dawn Joker Dawn last time. Uh, this time this time we're giving Walt his due. Uh, with 11 tracks of whack. Uh, quite an album, quite a title. I can't wait to talk about it. But uh, before we do, uh, going along with this episode, we got our inaugural uh, Jokerman slash Bad Dan Takes merch drop available now. This episode kind of ties in with that. So if you're hearing this now, head over to jokerman.shop and pick up a shirt, pick up a hat, you know, get uh, get some of the clothes, Get uh, just get some stuff going. Surprise stickers included this time also. You don't get to find out until you actually get the item, what it looks like. But I don't even trust know me. what the sticker is right now. <laughs> you made it's, stickers? Yeah, where there's... Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's good stuff. It's good clothes, folks. Good hats, good shirts. Uh, go grab them. They're, uh, they're a lot of fun. There's a black and a white. Uh, it's got all, all your favorites. Guaranteed to be the only article of clothing that's going to say everything must go on it. That you're possibly going to be able to purchase. So, wow! Spoiler uh, alert. <laughs> get it while the getting is good. There's also colors. Uh, there's a color involved. A different color on each shirt. It's, Indeed. There's, there's black with a color and then white with a different color. That's exactly so we're, right. We're pulling out all the stops. We we we're rolling in cash, so we can do colors. <laughs> We can use colored ink. Yeah, it's uh, it, it uh, added added quite a bit to the overall bottom line. But you know, we're 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 uh, uh, garment mavens now. So this is uh, this is the new world we're in. Check it out, Jokerman dot shop. Um, all right, welcome, gentlemen, to Whackcast. Is that what we're calling this? Is that uh, eleven uh, casts of whack? Eleven eleven pods of. Cast. cast. <laughs> 11 yeah. pods of cast. Pods yeah. of cast. There we go. That's perfect. Um, you're podcasting today from Malibu, Evan, which yeah. I feel like is a very well-suited location yeah. for this album, which and was, I think, recorded in Hawaii. Is that right? Do we know? Yes, it was. It was uh, recorded at Walter's studio in Hawaii, where he 
if you don't know, after uh, Steely Dan broke up uh, after the recording and release of Gaucho, Walter moved to Hawaii, where he became an avocado farmer. Avocado farmer. Incredible. I didn't know that part. Wow. <laughs> that's, so, that's so beautiful. You, tune, yep. you turn 30 and you cut the heroin out and you add avocados. That's just how, that's just how it goes. Right. Eat an avocado. That's the that's what people say to somebody who's just like decimated their system with heroin is <laughs> move to Hawaii, eat some avocados, and then you'll make a great record. You'll make a re- you'll make an album. Exactly. Um it's an interesting record. Uh Don was on this, Don produced this came out so it came out a year after Kamakiria and right, so Don's second solo record. Um, but really, like this is this is the beginning of like Steely Dan 2.0 in in a lot of ways, I think, right? Because they had been silent for the most part and kind of off in their own worlds for most of the 80s. Uh, there was that Zazu record that I listened to like once a couple weeks ago, and it's actually kind of fun. Um, but it uh, it's weird that they were both on that and producing that. Um, but like around this time, right, early 90s, they kind of fell back in with one another, and Walt was on Kamakiriad, Don is on uh, 11 Tracks of Whack, and then this was like the first time they started playing shows again in, like, what, 20 years at this point, right? Because they had quit playing in, like, 74, 75, right? Yeah, the, um, I mean, they did a little of this and that through the 80s and, like, early 90s, like, Walter produced um, a bunch of different albums, um, and Don did this and that, but yeah, I mean... They had kind of had a pretty long hiatus um, until 1993 when they each recorded these solo albums um, and they got back together to tour. The 93, uh, 93 was the first, 93 and 94 were the, kind of the first two years they were touring. Um, and, and they were, I think part of the reason they toured was to promote their solo albums and right. they worked in their material. So those songs from both Comic Curiat and 11 tracks of whack were performed as Steely Dan, you know, on oh, those they were tours. playing these yeah. songs in yeah. those. Oh, I actually damn, did I know that, that. Uh, that during those early shows, there was like, they would do, yeah, the Dan material and then just jump in the down in the bottom. Damn. Yeah. I, a lot of these songs, um, especially on 11 tracks of whack, I knew from live bootlegs of those years. I Whoa. had never actually even listened to the, um, studio version but we can we can talk about those when we uh when we get to them when we get in there damn that's so sick yeah. um yeah all right well i gotta i gotta search out some of these bootlegs i gotta i gotta confess tracks of whack i was i'd never listened to it even once before you mentioned it on the last <laughs> show that we did about nightfly and uh you know since then i've just been spinning it uh incessantly because it's such a such like honestly just great record uh, full of a bunch of great songs, which we'll get to momentarily. I guess one question I had, and you probably, you know, I, I'm sure you don't have an actual, like, knowledgeably truthful answer on this, Alex, but I'm wondering, like, do you have any thoughts on it? So, like, they're, they're coming back together at this moment in time, right? They're touring as Steely Dan, but they're still, put, and they're working on each other's records, but they're still putting them out as a Donald Fagan record and a Walter Becker record. Like, any any idea about why these aren't just Steely Dan records themselves and why it took them another seven years to put out a new record under the Steely Dan, like actual brand? Yeah, that's a good question. I think maybe, um, I, I think the songs were different enough. And I feel like, 
I feel like all of Steely Dan, like the, um, especially, you know, the original run. So can't buy a thrill through Gaucho. Mm -hmm. I think virtually every song, you know, as far as I know was, you know, a true collaboration. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't think like, it's not like with the Beatles where like John Lennon would go and write a song and then bring it to the Beatles and they'd play it. You know, I think like even like the songwriting process was a joint effort, you know, throughout. Um, and I don't think that was the case with, with the songs on comic curiat or, and 11 tracks of black. Um, so yeah, I think, Com- yeah, that's Comicuriat why they especially, to, it's like, that's uh, such a the solo route on each and, and they're, you know, comic curiat is, you know, the songs on that are, you know, very different than the ones on 11 tracks of whack. That's a yes. science fiction, you know, tinged concept <laughs> album. And, uh, while Driving science fiction does powered car around long Island. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how easy it would be to just fit that those songs into any other uh steely dan album it's pretty specific to say uh to be mild about it whereas this record is a little bit less so i mean definitely less well that's the title it's just 11 tracks buddy there you go you get different songs yeah that's what's so interesting about this i think is is like you know obviously steely dan music you know the, the steely dan catalog like it's Donald Fagan singing these songs, like 95% of them, at least once you're past can't buy a thrill. And then like what slang of ages on, um, on slang of ages. ages. Um, so like you just associate this kind of lyrical style and this like worldview with Donald Fagan himself, but tracks of whack, I think of all the solo records, like Don and Walt solo record, like this is the most kind of, similar to classical Steely Dan shit in terms of like the actual songwriting I think that you get on any of these. This is way closer to an actual classic Steely Dan record than I think Nightfly or Kamakuriat is. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, I love, um, I mean, I, I've loved kind of in preparation for this podcast, really like sinking my teeth into this album. Um, I think previously I didn't give it enough of like a, a close listen. Um, because I think, you know, the Donald Fagan solo albums get a lot more attention and are, are just discussed a lot more, I think, than the two, right. two Walt albums. But I think, you know, I listened to it more just to see how it was like a, a piece of the big puzzle. Um, and kind of seeing like this plus the Donald albums, you can sort of see how they get to Steely Dan. Right. Um, I think musically, I think the Fagan solo albums are much more similar to like, you know, Royal Scam, Asia and Gaucho. Um, just the kind of like the jazzy, funky soul, um, you know, uh, the, the complexity of the arrangements and right. like the the use of, you know, backup singers is, is a little more, I feel like there are more similarities there. But um, I think in terms of like the narrative style and the lyrics, I think you definitely see how Walter like played into, into like, into that. Exactly. Yeah. And you get on this record, I think, First of all, there's maybe some of the reason why they're given a little bit less uh, credit or interest overall. It could have something to do with the presentation, like 11 tracks of whack. 11 tracks, it's not like... where All the other uh, Donald records are like kind of pseudo-concept con- albums, and they have this kind of event record feeling. Yeah, very well kind of branded and packaged. Very low-key... Uh, kind of too uh, maybe a little too cool for school in the presentation here for right. it's a, like it's a just like maybe 
I mean, it's cool. I like that it's called that, and I like the the vibe of the presentation. <laughs> but it, I don't know that it did it any favors in terms of getting people to really take it seriously as a statement, uh, as an album. But um, I think that we, as we will get into shortly, uh, I think we all agree that it is a really good, and in, in in many ways, a pretty cohesive record. And um, maybe with that, we can get. Get going. All right. To, to the bottom. To the bottom. I need like a like a some sort of metallic um, guitar line instead of an actual harmonica for that, or you know, some plonking synthesizer off of a uh, hat too flat. Um, <laughs> track one. Um, I'm unsettling Casio tone from the. Yeah, 90s. exactly. All right, down in down in the bottom. This song, this song fucking rocks. So good. Yeah, it's so good. I I was uh, really, really su- pleasantly surprised when I first heard this, like, a few months ago. Um, it's, it's so confident and, like, self-assured, and you just get right away that voice, that great voice, oh. that Walter Becker sound. The voice. Like, that who knew? In a way, is kind of how it feels. Like, what, what, where is he hiding this? He sounds so badass. He didn't, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex, but I don't think he took a vocal lead on any of the original 72 to 80 Dan records. Is that right? I think the there is one from Can't Buy a Thrill. Okay. I think he sings lead on, like, the verses of Turn That Heartbeat Over Again. Okay. But that's it. I that's mean, it. And... What he did do is when they, you know, the reunion tours, um, he does take lead on some of those classic songs. Oh, on the original songs, he's singing yes. them in. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. All right. Yeah. Next. So, um, Haitian divorce, uh, daddy don't live here, and um, a couple others too. I'm, I'm not. Shit, I gotta hear Midnight him Cruiser. Divorce. Yeah. Oh, his Haitian divorce is perfect. She drinks almost makes you wonder why you know he didn't sing like a song or two per record i mean right uh yeah i mean he sounds he sounds so bad it's just like a deep kind of like throaty voice it's like so it's, it, such misdirection because you look at him and you just never know not associated with like that, that face whatsoever <laughs> yeah exactly especially at this moment in time where he's just got like the circular kind of glasses and like the goatee and stuff and on the cover of the record he's even just wearing like khakis and like an eddie bauer button down or something just like the most like normal looking dude imaginable and he just sounds like it's not like exactly like a Lou Reedy kind of voice, but it's also not like too far off of that. It's like sort Alive of and well. yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, I butchered it, but um, that I mean that was close to Michael McDonald there. But there's also a Michael <laughs> McDonald kind of element to this too. He's just it's such a it's such a throaty kind of robust sound. 
I've got a, uh, a, a parallel that I can't, I mean, I, I was thinking I would bring it up later, but I just want to get it off my chest. Uh, this record is as close as you get to in the Steely Dan universe of music to Mutineer by Warren Zevon. Hell yeah. And it, it has a lot <laughs> of similarities. Like you've got the fact that he's in Hawaii where Mutineer finds Zevon in, in Florida, Florida, I guess. Yeah. Um, just the, the fact that they were probably recorded around the same time. I mean, yeah. the Mutineer uh, 95 and 11 tracks uh, 94 release uh the heavy reliance on like weird and wonky synths that are just in there um and it kind of even we could even go into like how some of the themes are similar but uh i mean you get poisonous look-alike and you got stuff like book of liars and right you've got uh i mean maybe Seminole bingo isn't that similar to down in the bottom but it's maybe i don't know i just i had to point out that like i feel like there's something in the uh, in the air in '94, '95 with some of these uh, legacy rock uh, people. That's a good um, point. And it's those two in particular, it's like, it, yeah, I mean the, the production, whatever on, the fuck this is. <laughs> yeah, I mean the production on this album sounds very of its year. Yes, extremely um, '94. Yeah, I, I I have some issues with the production, but it's like. It's not the album's fault. It's just what everything kind of sounded like right. at that time. Um, I mean, mainly it's just like the the drum machine sound sometimes. Is I love the drum sound harsh. on this whole record. I was playing this for a friend yeah. of mine in the car okay. the other day, um, <laughs> and it, and he was just like, first he was like, "What is this?" And I had to explain <laughs> how far down the rabbit hole we've gone at this point. Uh, but then he was like, oh, that totally makes sense that it's from 1994 because the drums sound like absolute shit on every mm-hmm. single one of these songs. It almost sounds like a Nine Inch Nails record, like yeah. the, the drums. Um, but then, I mean, there's this song is, I mean, just to talk about this, the track a bit, the first track of Whack, it's got, uh, it's really catchy, has just like a great hook and immediately just has this kind of like moody uh, narrative quality about like being kind of uh, like on the outs in your life to sort of like, it it feels like post something like this guy is kind of the character in the song. If it's Walter himself or whoever is, has been through the ringer and finds himself at this point where he's kind of looking back and realizing he's not, he's not that far from the troubles uh, even though he's like, moved on in some ways um not that far from the wine dark sea yeah the wine dark sea a reference to uh it's very bob dylan of him um, yeah th- some absolutely just like striking some, lyricism some on Homer- homeric uh reference there yeah uh the i was wine thinking dark that um the iliad i think or the odyssey one of those something like that i was thinking that the the kind of stereotypical um line about steely dan being music for you know men going through midlife crises um this album represents that more than anything they ever did i mean this is the album of like a a middle-aged man in his 40s going this is the midlife crisis making this album yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) well the the uh i think it's now or people now think of steely dan as like midlife crisis music they there's that idea but most of steely dan's music up until uh 
I mean, post 2000, I think it's very much that, but yeah. everything up till that is very much about like young man's crisis, like mid, like quarter your, life crisis. Yeah. Your quarter life crisis. Very Being, much. Uh, 32 and trying to go have sex with 19 year olds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, that don't know Aretha Franklin. Whereas, yeah, it's always been there. This, that, that angst, but it's matured and grown into a beautiful avocado tree on this uh, record. <laughs> Yeah, I think that stereotype emerged more in the uh, the post two thousand era of, of Dan, but yeah. uh, th- this kind of kicks it off. I mean, yeah, like most of the songs on this album are like pretty much about that exact subject. So there's there's no what a shame about me without uh, down in the bottom. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, just to just to hammer it home, also one more time, like this song. I mean, we'll spoil it right now, or I'll spoil it at least. Like, best song on the record, you know, side one, yeah, track one, probably. right off the bat. It fucking rips. Uh, I cannot get enough of listening to this song. Um, and just a really cool kind of, um, like, lyrical style that, that he's got here. It's, uh, I mean, some of these songs on this record are, like, clearly more, a little more character-based, you know, as you, you know, kind of uh, would guess from Steely Dan stuff. But this one, like... Maybe there's a character element of it, but also like doesn't seem too far off from something that like it, it could be, you know, relatively kind of personal songwriting. Mm-hmm. And he switches back and forth between this like like Evan said, like you said a minute ago, Evan, like this almost Dylan-esque, you know, style of uh, um, uh, visual imagery with just like this like super simple and like cool mid mid 90s slang talking about I mean, dope, I, the dopest yeah, part and I, stuff. I would like say that. it's like uh I mean, it's Zevon-esque. I mean, if we really want to, if I want to go back there again, you could look at the lyrics to this, and if I were to do it in like a Zevon impression, uh, I think it would work. Like, in case you're wondering, it, <laughs> I'm alive and well. That's pretty good. I that can actually totally hear that. That habit that you left with me. Uh, uh, it's all about... Tortured angel yeah. of your rising sign. Darkens the evening with his one good eye, an evil omen of the dopest kind. It's it just sounds fucking badass. Yeah, it kind of lives in that like um, Desperados under the eaves uh, area of mm. of lyricism, where it is kind of like this the mundane and the very dramatic, the the wine dark sea and the dopest part or whatever he says. Yeah, there's the dopest kind was the, the uh, working kind. title. Really, for the yeah, song? which I which I prefer. I don't know why That's, he didn't that stick is cool. with that. Yeah. yeah. Or the dopest cut, sorry. Right. Mm. Uh, yeah, there's a couple things. Yeah, there's dopest there's a cuts, dopest. dopest parts, and <laughs> dopest kinds. There's a, there's the dopest song. It's the dopest song in the album. <laughs> it is the dopest song. Um... I like the feathers and I love the hat. I like that little gypsy tune you're humming. Just like every line in this song makes me fucking oh, that's, grin. That's a I Dylan lyric there. It's so good. I like that little gypsy tune you're humming. <laughs> I like the feathers and I like the hat. Uh, There's a couple direct uh, Dylan references on this album, I think. Really? Doesn't he say my back pages at some point? Does I, it? I, I he yeah, probably I think he does. does. Yeah, but it's later on. We'll, okay. We'll, We'll get to that later. Look at that! You're bringing you're bringing the Dylan knowledge to the uh, supposed <laughs> Dylan experts here. Thank you. Um, Next song. I mean, this we, we'll we just can't stress enough that down in the bottom uh, is great. It's dope. down in the bottom. It's up in the top. It's up in the top of his discography. 
Um, all right, yeah, next song, Junkie Girl. So we go from a song about how uh, the narrator is a former heroin addict um, to... A current um, heroin addict still, maybe? Or, yeah, current, like, maybe relapsing heroin addict to um, a narrator narrator remembering uh, a former girlfriend of his who was a heroin addict. So really kind of switching up the thematic territory here. Yeah, yeah, a lot of variety. <laughs> I mean, it does feel like this song sets up the record almost to feel like it is going to be more narrative because this feels like cinematic in a way if you, where the f- the first song is kind of like bet you're wondering how i got here and then this song is kind of like a f- uh, flashback to when i was hanging out with this uh junkie girl right and yeah like a like a con- like, almost like a nightfly sort of thing where it's just like different kind of um conceptual songs related to this one particular um past I, that doesn't obviously carry through for the whole record but i i see i see what you mean yeah uh you get some ba- you get a bad word on this uh second song he's using the f word yes he does no fooling it's a fucked up world so this would have been cool, a huge my little huge hit girl. if not for that that one expletive <laughs> you this would have been classic rock rotation next to uh bruce and neil i mean it fits right into that kind of wheelhouse of but i do like the uh because don i don't think would have would have put that lyric in there Mm-mm. he likes to keep things a little more uh implied than walt yeah there there is really kind of a like a uh like a uh a strong emotional undercurrent throughout this entire record. Like, like this record is like kind of hot. Like it feels like Dawn songs, Dawn solo records are cool, right? They're, they're mm-hmm. calm. They're icy. They're like measured, but this is, this has got like a lot of kind of edgy, like hot, uh, hot blooded kind of shit coming through. Yeah. It's a pretty uh, dire song or there's a lot of imagery in it. That's kind of uh, harrowing. Um, the, the metaphor or the, whatever the, the, the wordplay of um you send it bubbling down that thin blue line mm, like mm-hmm. like the you take uh, what is the line it's like you take their money just like you take mine you, you send, send it bubbling, bubbling down, down, down that thin, thin blue, blue line, line. Yeah. i mean that's great uh, the thin I, it only occurred to me like it occurred to me after a few listens that he's talking about shooting heroin um and it's also like the thin blue line and there's some mention of cops cops so, Sam. so there's a lot going on there that's just like really clever and tight um, songwriting wise the uh, you come in blazing like an open sore <laughs> there's like th- this exists in the same trifecta if there's the trilogy of uh the change trilogy which we talked about <laughs> and then there's also the the ugly slash gross woman girl songs you've okay. got like uh ugliest girl in the world uh-huh. um rancid junkie girl. girl rancid girl by cast mccombs <laughs> um there's others. I, I think there's got to be at least one more. Stupid Girl. Stupid Girl. Classic. Maybe the, the originator Stones. of the entire genre. Um, but this song has like a really, I think it's one of the better songs on the record. Um, yeah. It's a really memorable and moody song that feels uh, really just of a piece with the first track in a, in a way that's like, uh, I think just works great. It's like they segue and work together really nicely yeah yeah the first three songs all are about death in some way um <laughs> start starting not, off with starting off with the high <laughs> yeah i mean i, I feel like because this is the first time i think he was really just like writing songs on his own he probably had a lot to get off his chest right um you know i mean he lived i mean he wrestled with all kinds of demons um 
you know, throughout his life and, and especially like, this was the first time he was kind of, you know, expressing himself after everything that happened on Gaucho. Right. Cause he wasn't, I mean, he was only producing. So, right. um, yeah, he has, uh, he had a lot to say. He had a, a lot to, to get out there. This last stanza is so, um, sad and poignant that now I can hardly hear you anymore. Your eyes are empty and your voice is hollow. I see you waving from a distant shore and where you're going, I don't dare to follow. Yeah. And then no fooling. That's another world. Good luck. My little junkie girl. Is yeah. how it ends. It's, it's like a just version, a version of that refrain that keeps coming up. It's where that's the send off. It's like, I can't, uh, he's basically saying like, she's, she's done. She's yeah. toast. Good luck. She's through to the white side of your China curtain. Yeah, white side of wow. your China curtain. Yeah, and uh, another just like beautiful lyric. fucking yeah. sick, like fusion of like really gritty, fucked up, like real, realistic realism uh, uh, kind of lyrics, and then also yeah, just these like shocking moments of like you know poetic touch. White side of your China curtain, eyes are empty, voice is hollow. It's he's good, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I think you're totally right about that, Alex. Like, it, it's we don't necessarily need to, you know, litigate everything that he was going through uh, at, during the Gaucho recording uh, period and and uh, in the immediate aftermath that uh, may or may not have directly contributed to the actual, you know, first breakup of the band. But clearly, I think some of those experiences are informing what he's uh, what he's writing about here. I mean, it's fairly public knowledge and and discussed that. One of those experiences was just that his girlfriend uh, OD'd on heroin right. during the recording of Gaucho. So at his, I don't know. If, at his place, I think, right? Yeah. And there was a lawsuit by her family. I, I don't know if this song is, you know, directly about her or that experience, but, um, you know, one can speculate, I guess. It's probably, uh, you know, might, probably might has have nothing there. to do with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no relation whatsoever. <laughs> Completely coincidence. It's a coincidence. <laughs> Uh, the next song, Surf and or Die, I, Great title. I can't tell you what this song is really about because it's one of these ones that feels kind of dense and specific in a way that I just maybe haven't unlocked for myself yet. I think it's about a guy who's like a some guy who's like hang gliding or paragliding yeah. or something uh, in Hawaii. And there's some sort of like disaster like equipment malfunction or something and yeah. he dies basically i think that's i, yeah. think that's I actually looked it. it up because i didn't really know what the song was about and it's based on a real a, a, like a real story that happened in hawaii oh, yeah where what ha- um, what happened uh, i believe an acquaintance so it wasn't a friend but someone that walter knew on the island um died in a hang gliding accident oh my mm. god and and this song is about like uh, about that um, and I think he even went to the funeral too. Um, of this guy. So he, yeah. Yeah. And do you, do you hear those like the chanting in the background? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So That's those are like Tibetan eerie. llamas. And apparently like he got the idea to use that because at the funeral, they had these like Tibetan, they had this Tibetan oh. chanting. Tibetan llamas then, is in like the Dalai Lama kind yes, of thing? Oh yes. Not God. the animal. <laughs> not the animal. <laughs> So yeah, Walter saw that at the funeral, and that's how he got the idea to incorporate that into the song. So this whole song is like a tribute to this. I don't know what his name that, is. It reminds me of that movie, yeah. the The Descendants, where like uh, George Clooney's wife, like yes, it, yes, like died or or is like yeah, she's like comatose from a, a an accident on a jet ski in Hawaii, and then 
the rest of the movie is like him dealing with Hawaiian land this whole, politics. This whole album kind of, that's a great like pull. This whole album has like a Descendants kind of like energy to it, or Descendants has an 11 tracks of whack yeah, energy to right. it since it, that came out 20 years after. Like, that's, that's a great pull. Just like stupid oaf white guy living in Hawaii in his middle age wearing a Hawaiian shirt and like trying to do the best that he can with his life but inevitably fucking up. Doesn't he he makes the right choice in that movie, I think. Spoiler. Sure. Yeah, by the end of it he gets there. Uh yeah, that's a great uh you know, one's an album, one's a movie. That's a great double feature if yeah. uh, <laughs> if you if you want to have, um, have a good time. Lyrics here, I mean, I guess I you don't have to be that uh, clued into the the life of Walter Becker to know, I guess. At some point, it becomes clear this is about a hang gliding accident, and it's very hard to not see that, because he says, uh, uh, as your glider comes tumbling out of the clouds and you clutch at your chest, but the chute never opens, and they find you there tangled in the white nylon shroud. Um, damn. Yeah, you get you get there eventually, but it is it is this kind of long and lengthy like narration about like what's like what happened immediately afterward. It's it's kind of like jumping around in time, right? Because it starts after this accident has happened, and then we're like narrating the accident. It's it's really kind of spacey uh, songwriting, and again, some just wild lines. That hypothetical specter, your guilt edged soul, which defied many perils in the face of all reason. And in so many settings and for all your young years, insisting on pure freedom and it's too short season. This dude's a fucking poet, yeah. man. Now your voice on my machine is more alive than what you are since your daredevil hang glider fell out of the sky. <laughs> it's uh, also very musically different than uh, Steely Dan. This one is a departure. Yes. I mean, the, the style of singing is like that kind of spoken. It's almost that spoken word style that was kind of popular. Yeah, this is Around this, this is as close to like Lou Reed as he gets, where he's right. just kind of riffing and just like speaking. Yeah, and the guitars are like, it kind of reminds me of, um, for some reason, it reminded me of Johnny Marr style of guitars that kind of like uh, jang. It has a little bit of jangle on it, yeah, um, and and kind of a bigger drum sound than the, the sort of the little drum machine, um, the drum machines of the the other songs. Yeah, yeah, that that kind of like chiming like um like shining tone of that guitar that kind of just like jams and like like stabs yeah, exactly. in there throughout the entire song is so cool well, in a near random universe there are still certain combinations picked out from all the other possible ones which when given some time in the just right circumstances not too far from the earth or too close to the sun and they'll spin in the embrace of the trade winds Playing havoc with the hearts and the upturned faces down below Incredible bass line on this also. Like, there's some real mm -hmm. kind of funky, mm -hmm. funky shit going on here. It's very funky and kind of smooth and suave, but the mood is very pensive on this song. It's like, it feels like he's actively working through and figuring out his feelings about this or recounting them in like in a diary and kind of having these little revelations about right. this traumatic event. Um, so it, it's a it's a really unique song. It's good stuff. It's good music. Don't Next. go uh, don't go hang gliding, Evan. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I have though. 
at some point, I think. Well, I'm glad that you didn't die and that I was forced to write a song about you. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen? It probably Bob wouldn't yet, be as good as this one. So. Have we seen what? Have you seen Bob in uh, Malibu? Because doesn't he live there? Oh, uh, he lives. Is that why you're there? Up, Is it Bob-related reasons? Up there. <laughs> yeah, Ev- Evans. Evans out there on a reconnaissance mission right now. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's in the hills. He's got he's got the the splinter cell like night vision goggles on. This is actually really Jokerman classic in a way because the, the earliest episodes were were done uh, where I was in I was in the booth here. That's true. Um, and now I'm back, um, possibly. Uh, in, back in California in, indefinitely. So. Oh, wow. Um, You're just like Bob, moving back and forth from New York to California. Yeah. The, well, we've always said that the Malibu and, and New York City are the two most important locations in Bob Dylan <laughs> lore, and that's where we were. It's true. Uh, the next song is Book of Liars. Mm, here we go. I love this song. Yeah? Uh, for no particular reason. <laughs> and I don't feel like it relates to anything I can personally think about in my life, but I can, I can see how there's, um, there's a lot there. Someone who could ostensibly be going through similar events could potentially find something to relate to in this song. If they in fact had gone through those events themselves, you get to a point in this song where you realize that the, the man uh, in question is, is married and with with children. So I, you know, that's different than, me. Cobra gunship for his little boy, and there's a oh, little kitty for his pride and joy. That is a, cre- a super <laughs> 1994 uh, a time, like a piece of um, what, what? What would you say? Mise-en-scene. Cultural of ephemera, yeah, yeah. Uh, that is exactly what what Walter Becker would buy his children in 1994. <laughs> like you go to the Hello Kitty store at the mall, and you or you and you get like a GI Joe like big. Uh, Attack, attack helicopter thing, helicopter yeah. uh, warship thing for your, for your pride and joy, or your, your golden Go- the boy. golden boy gets the Cobra gunship. The Hello Kitty is for his pride and joy. Um, this song has this kind of very mellow. He's, he's got a book of liars, and there's a silver star by your name, whoever you are. So clearly, that's probably not a good thing. I, I do think it's an interesting. The the metaphor here, the image is pretty interesting. Like there's a star in the book of liars by your name. It does kind of make one wonder, like what does that mean? Like if the star is like an asterisk, like in a book about a liar, about liars, hmm. what would the asterisk even mean? Um, that this person lied, but it's not like there's more to the story. Like it kind of implies that there's there's complexity there like some added meaning or Mm. some something that needs to be pointed out about this particular liar maybe they're a really good liar yeah maybe that is what you really got to keep your eyes silver star there's a silver star don't believe their lies um very cool sounding song that that midi uh yeah the little and the the horn also in the middle of, of the track just like man yeah, he's he's really kind of all over the place, like musically speaking. You know, I think uh, something like Nightfly is so strong, obviously, because Dawn really kind of locks in on this specific kind of musical palette and mood and, and energy, um, and that works. You know, it, give or take your Walk Between Raindrops or whatever, which is a great song, but it, you know, is its own kind of separate thing. Is all I mean. Uh, but this this record, he's really Walt is just like 
left and right and up and down and like all over the place influences wise and kind of sound wise it's so it's what makes it so fun to listen to i think is because you just like you're ping pong and back and forth track to track yeah and this one was um this one was actually on alive in america which is the the lone live the lone official live album that Celia Dan has released right from like 1996 right yeah it was 95 and it was taken from songs performed live in the 93 and 94 tours and sure. this is the one song on 11 tracks of whack that's on that album damn so this is probably the best known song from this album because of that and it was performed live like very like i think that's the the song from this album that they perform live like the most the most yeah, yeah pretty much any like bootleg that i've heard from like either of those years has this song on it and it's performed like a ballad yeah it's done like very like ballad like um, there's there's a a kind of it reminds me of true love tends to forget a little bit um, mm. from street legal and sure. not only because of the subject matter being maybe a little bit similar, but the, the fact that both those songs have this kind of like cosmic or a really far out imagery at certain points, like in true love tends to forget you got uh, drifted into infinity and come back again. Mm-hmm. And um, in this you've got what is a wild, uh, thing here uh oh yeah electrons dancing in the frozen crystal dawn yeah it says uh stars imploding the long night passing electrons dancing in the frozen crystal dawn here's one left stranded at the zero crossing with a hole in its half-life left to carry on Mm -hmm. very um normal ballad stuff it's it's a wild way to end the song, especially with a verse that, coming after a verse that Santa Claus came home late last night, drunk on Christmas wine, fell down hard in the driveway, hung his bag out on the laundry line, just like a fucking like punchline like kind of, of thing. Uh, the end of husbands. Uh, I gotta also just note very quickly. I mean, you are really just like going full like uh, 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 Jokerman style on this episode, referencing mutineer. And, well, and you know, street legal. You know who I am in in relation to eleven tracks of whack. What this else is, am I supposed to do? No, I just I love it. It's, it's you're the, you're connecting all the dots here. It's it's all coming together. It's a masterful performance. Well, thank you. It's not done yet. We we've got to move on, but we got to get Book of Lars. It's really good. We got to work a common one reference one. in here at some point. <laughs> well, maybe we'll find that on Lucky Henry. Lucky Henry. <laughs> This song's crazy. I love this song. This is a this is another kind of banger. Uh, you know, uh, I, I hesitate to call it a rave up because uh, I don't know that any of these songs are rave ups, but it, it brings the energy, it brings gets your blood blood pumping a little bit more after Book of Liars. I was riding my bike to this song the other day, and it just like makes makes you want to go, man. The fucking symbols on this, oh yeah, it's so cool. There's some crazy guitar on this too. Yes, like there's some shredding on that that second solo. That's I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's legitimate treading. Um, I, I get that there's some, it's like a hobo's reminiscence. I don't know exactly what's going on in this, in the narrative. I, I get a lot of hobo imagery and kind yeah. of like the reminiscences of a hobo. I mean, I don't know um, how it all comes together. I don't know if you guys do either, but. Nope. No. <laughs> this one, this one is way out there. <laughs> shanty town behind a sky of red. He's almost saying under the red sky. Right. <laughs> Yeah, about that well done uh this yeah this song is very like kaleidoscopic and and crazy it's raining box cars did you know from county cook to baltimore wherever those old jockeys go to live out their lifelines 
burning down that two-lane town the boys call Hollywood. There's just so much uh, going on here. It's... Yeah, badly placed, half erased, or lost in time and space, and all because the real one was disappearing, was the disappearing kind, just like out there, man. And referencing Bakersfield and Elsinore yeah. also, which are just like fucking like Southern California exurb, like XX exurb, like like end of the earth kind of places, Lake Elsinore and Bakersfield. Like you're onto something about the hobo uh, thing. I yeah. mean, the boxcars and all these like these sort of uh, liminal locales and and uh, across California that kind of you only end up in if you're a drifter. Um. Yeah. Yeah, on the bus across from us, seen once in a silhouette, the old man's face you couldn't place that you now yeah, can't, can't forget. forget. It's just like a, a guy in some sort of in a dark place. Yeah, there you I go. Love Lucky the, Henry says hello. Lucky Henry says hello. I love all of the um, the kind of like spiritual and like kind of mystical uh, stuff that you get on this record too. Um, yeah, like karma keeps car- returning. yeah karma keeps returning here on this one. A tortured angel of your rising sign on down down in the um, I almost said down the groove. Um, down the groove. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't even occur to me that that see now you're doing it. Now I'm doing it. Yeah, we're both doing it. Um, uh, it, 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 that's that's not a um, that's not a flavor that you really associate with Steely Dan very much, you know, the kind of mystical or uh, spiritual or or anything like that. But clearly, Walter in Maui, nineteen ninety four, growing the avocados, you know, he was kind of he was in tune with the consciousness or something. Yeah, and I guess he would go on to to continue that right with uh, Circus Money, right? Which I have also still never listened to. But yeah, we got to do that eventually. We'll have you back for that one day, Alex. But from what I understand, it's like a reggae-ish album mostly. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of reggae moments on this album, but that one takes like that idea much <laughs> much, like, for, much much further. more seriously. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, I haven't listened that much. To, I've probably spun it like two or three times. I it's extremely strange um it's the weirdest album cover of all yeah it's (laughs) it's it's the one i've kind of been saving it actually because i feel like it's the one album from the the becker and fagan discography that i haven't like fully explored so i'm kind of yeah so i'm kind of saving that one a treat it will yeah, I've got that one saved, and I've I've still got the uh, 21st Century Dawn record saved. Also, I haven't done more for sunk, Sunken Condos yet, but from what I understand, those are both bangers. I'm, I'm a huge Morph, uh, Morph fan. <laughs> Big Morph. I think fan. I think it's a very underrated album, but um, and sun, Sunken Condos is really fun. Yeah, I mean, we'll I mean, maybe we'll get to those. We'll, well. we'll have you back. We'll have yeah. you back for <laughs> Morphcast soon. Morph, Morph the, the cast. cast. Shut up. <laughs> uh, uh, hard up case. This one. one has do they have the beginning of it sounds like like a like a DVD menu or something. Yes. It's on a, the uh, on the bootleg that I have where they play this one live. Um, Walt says this one's kind of a reggae number, so smoke them if you got them. <laughs> Damn, cool. Hell yeah! It's a, another. Uh, like extremely 1994 uh, production style, uh, I guess kind of, yeah, kind of reggae inflected song about a, a the wreckage of a relationship. Um, I guess it was a hard up case. 
or whatever he says. It Say was the truth is going to set me free like you might throw a dog a bone. And I know you're thinking that the joke's on me. Just take a look at what you're dragging home. Another hard up case. Yeah. yeah. Every, every, everyone's a hard up case. Oh, you thought that I wasn't a hard up case. You find out I'm a hard up case. You move on. You're going to find out that guy's a hard up case. Hard up case. The hard up case is all down the line. Uh, it's all it's hard up cases all the way down. Yeah. Um there's another golden boy on here. That's a good point. Yeah. It must have took me for some golden here, boy. He's the golden boy. The, mm. the, the In this case narrator. Yeah. Maybe this is the golden boy that got the Cobra gunship from <laughs> <laughs> Book of Liars. Uh yeah, there's nothing better than white boy reggae, you know? Um it's just uh it's real soulful stuff. Uh some beautiful horns on this too. Nice uh backing vocals. I think I think his delivery on this one's perfect too. It's just like really smooth, um, but it's kind of edgy and and bit bit of attitude, bit of bit of edge, bit of uh, snarl to it. I think. Yeah, this one's uh, vindictive, kind of. This one's a bit mean. This song, or he's he's someone who's mean to him. He's being mean back. Being mean back. Uh, yeah, because you and me, girl, we had everything, but it just wasn't quite enough. Now that's a hard up case. It's very sarcastic, kind of like uh, sardonic quality to that. Those lines, yeah. And of course, look at what you're dragging home. Uh, need we say more about that? Yeah, this is where the record also should just note briefly, um, my opinion at least, starts to get a little shaggy. You know, it's uh, it's a twelve song album. It's almost an hour uh, long. Uh, Wait, you know, there's twelve is- songs on there. Yeah. <laughs> oh my that, god. That's he, the whole thing. It's 11. He did the Dub Thompson. Thing. He did the Dub Thompson thing of nine <laughs> songs and there's eight. Except he There is a reason extra. for the for the 12 and 11 thing, which I, is I will say for the end. Okay, for the okay. There is a specific reason that he did that. Excellent. Okay. So right. he's actually a thoughtful artist and not just a, a, a <laughs> not a just troll. trolling people, yeah. yeah. It's probably a combination well, of the two. I think when, there's a little when bit we of made that that record there were nine songs, and then one didn't make it on. So, man. Well, honestly, both of these are could we, we could say that they were both Dub Thompson and uh, Walter here. We could say that they that those ideas were stolen from Traveling Wilburys Volume Three. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> which true. Which is the second Wilburys record. Anytime yeah. you search for travel, I was doing some Wilburys searching the other day. Uh, I was just going down the Wilbury hole, and that's like the number number two or three most popular search term related to the Traveling Wilburys is Traveling Wilburys Volume Two because people look at Volume One and Volume Three and think, "Where's Volume Two? Yeah, I just can't find two? it." That's so funny. <laughs> I, mean, that, I think one of the saved Google Google searches for this one is how many tracks are on the album. Right, yeah, the exactly. <laughs> if we want to go all the way there back are in time, tracks. it's like. Uh, uh, Rainy Day Women numbers twelve and thirty four or whatever. That's thirty five. That's the the original, um, including ridiculous just, just fake random numbers. numbers. Yeah, yeah. Into into popular music, just uh, number trolling. We could yeah. call that. Anyways, uh, we'll we'll save the uh, the the reveal for why it's eleven tracks of whack on a twelve song uh, record for the end. But I was just gonna say this is the middle of the record. It's where for me it starts to get a little shaggy. You know, yeah. uh, the next like I, three four so. songs. I I'm glad they're there, especially since this is like really one of two solo records we ever got from Walt. So I'm not I'm not sending any of these songs packing. Uh, but you know, it's it uh, it sort of it sort of starts to you know step into the background over these next couple tracks. I think. Yeah, I think this is a a point where. I, I'm glad you said that because I, I think maybe it was just I thought maybe it's just me that the second half of this record I had to very much put 
like energy into just listening to it again and again to start right. to get those songs to stick for me. Yeah, but it I comes back strong they're, they're towards good. the end. They are good. And now we have Cringe Maker, which which sounds kind of like Godwacker. Yeah, I see me. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say about. Cringe Maker is maybe not one of the best songs on the record. Maybe. I think it's fun. It's it's funny at least. Uh, it's, you know, it's good. <laughs> I like it because it's just a little more toe tapping than yeah, the, yeah. The songs come before it. It, it kind of refreshes things with. It's a little more sparse, um, and it has a little bit more of like a almost like a country feel to it. Sure. Yeah, I see that. And blues. It's almost got a little blues in it. Yeah, it's blues. as close. It's as close to a dawn song, I think, as you get on this record with that that uh, that backing vocal thing. Sweet little cringe maker. Yeah. If it was uh, a, a bit more up tempo, maybe it would feel like could have been on one of his earlier uh, solo albums. Yeah, Nightfly or something. Yeah. Cringe uh, maker. Also very like. Uh, I don't know. Now cringe is such a, a a part of the lexicon. That's a good point. He's he here he is in 1994 um, predicting cringe. Uh, not I don't think cringe was based here. Right. <laughs> cringe was not a, a big a, a word in the uh, cultural lexicon at the time of this uh, of Eleven Tracks of Wax. Yeah. I had to guess. Not I'm, the way I'm, that it was. I'm still sort of struggling with what the cringe maker like what that terminology actually indicates here. Um, it's he's clearly referring to his wife, uh, the wife from hell, which is just really funny. Um, wife, uh, hell is my wife home. Hell wife is my wife's hometown. <laughs> yeah, uh, vibes here. Um, but uh, like, is he talking about like coming with that? Right? Because he says she calls me daddy, and I just go numb down in the bottom where the love comes from. Like that's a very like horny middle aged dude kind yeah. of way. Of, is he <laughs> saying cringe maker? Like like just the act of physically cringing because of like your coming. Like, I think that yeah, sweet little cringe is, maker. What yeah, happened on is, the way? Sweet little cringe maker to where we are today. Like yeah. she made him cringe because you know. Interesting. <laughs> I just thought he, she was like a ball buster, and then by the end of the song, he kind of reminds himself like why he stays in it, why he still loves her. Right. Yeah. Despite the fact that, that you know she's good. throwing that him boulders. Right. I think yeah, I think I think cringe maker is a term of uh, of um, endearment. endearment. That's a, it's yeah. a good thing to be a cringe maker as opposed to uh, yeah the old the old ball and chain. Yeah, she's still got uh, her hooks in him. <laughs> Smack uh, him on the head with a frying pan. <laughs> there's also a dawn. In the beginning, we rode high on the hog down in the kitchen. <laughs> now it's dog eat dog. Dog eat dog. Which I can absolutely hear Don singing on like. I don't know, two against nature or something. Abs- it has no question like... about that. <laughs> Fits right in with uh, Holland Boss Crude. Yeah, exactly. Holland Boss Crude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next, we've got Girlfriend. This is a song about everyone listening to this podcast. Yeah, um, the girl listening to this. No, it's not a song about the girl listening to this. It's <laughs> a, it's a song about all of the boys listening to this uh, who sit at home watching TV and smoking Marlboros and drinking Jim Beam and wishing they had a girlfriend. This is a song about all of you. Uh, hmm. Is it? Is that what it's about? Alone in my cave is the first lyric. Yeah, the the, the first half of the song it's is cornflakes and camels. Cornflakes yeah. and camels. Cave. Yeah. Man cave didn't exist either as a word. It's yeah, a song. That's exactly what that's he's a, describing here. Yeah, he was like a visionary. In. I think like being in Hawaii, 
you're you're so close to the natural vibrations of the earth the stars <laughs> when you're in Kauai specifically the stars are just so incredibly vivid and bright i feel like he was getting some kinds of messages from the future um and through the avocado leaves mm-hmm, the, the mm-hmm. tree uh, <laughs> spiritual just deeply spiritual stuff and it comes out in songs like this with uh none but the brave jim beam and jack daniels channel hopping these empty days and nights glued to the screen it's incel uh stuff proto incel yeah exactly yeah. uh it's yeah that, and that first that entire first uh, uh stanza there is just him like referencing tv shows that he's been watching uh, <laughs> the green acres of my good intentions and the twilight <laughs> zone of zero self-control it's so my fucking God. funny <laughs> this song is pretty funny i did i maybe didn't realize how what this song was about yeah Girlfriend, I love the song. I love the you. chorus. I yeah. think it's really catchy. I, I'm surprised this wasn't, you know, a big hit. But. More of a big hit, yeah. Yeah. This is this is definitely my this this run here, hard up case yeah. to like my Waterloo. I think is where it gets a little shaggy. This is this is the highlight of that that yeah. uh, that section. And yeah, that that chorus is is beautiful stuff. I love that. <laughs> Girlfriend, yeah, I mean that's can a, be you. a style change as well. It's like the only kind of like R and B moment of mm-hmm. the album. Um, that's just cornflakes and camels. So good. Uh, Nightfly, you had Chesterfield Kings and Java. And shit. Here we have cornflakes and camels. So. It's all, look, look at this. We're all, all just, it all lines up. All of the brainwaves are just like yeah. collecting and, and winding <laughs> together right now on 11 tracks of black. Uh, oh, here's the, here's the my, back off my back page. There you go. There you go. Yeah. This song is so, so depressing. <laughs> It, and yeah, by the end of it, that that stanza with my back pages. Once again, this song is about not only everyone listening to this podcast, but about the world in which we live. Uh, uh, all at once, I'm privy to the entire grim design of a great civilization in the terminal stages of a slow but steady mental, moral, spiritual decline. My and so gosh. it goes, and thus it is written. And all I want to know is where does a guy like me fit in? <laughs> He's killing it. Wow. wow. This this song is kind of the, the deepest, darkest depths of of the Steely Dan crisis of man, like yeah. the, and, the crisis and in, of Dan. And in Steely Dan fashion, the song that is the arguably darkest also has one of the catchiest refrains. That yeah. you know that the girlfriend chorus is so is so uh, such an earworm. Yeah. Girlfriend, if it can't be you, I don't even have anyone to tell my story to. I mean, that's so distills something about the Don and Walt's music down to like an essence there. It's a man who, without the the audience of of one of or of, of anyone, he's he's kind of left feeling. Well, I, I'm so interest. I'm interesting. I've I got poetry in me. I. I I got I got nowhere to put this. 
Yeah, every Steely Dan fan hears that and goes, "He's, you know, he's just like me. He's just right. like me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like him. <laughs> yeah, I'm just but, like him exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, there's a great little uh, something here towards the end of this song. Also, I don't know if it's a sax or like a clarinet or something, but just like some real, just like funky, like bebop kind of soloing momentarily. I love it. Uh, yeah, you can totally picture like. Tons of people in the audience just like singing along to the chorus, right? Girlfriend, if it can't be you, and just like completely missing the entire thing about this like just absolute shit yeah, heel just, in his underwear smoking cigs. And <laughs> yeah. it's just like, oh, it's like, girlfriend. Hey, you're looking at, you know, it's a song about my sweetie baby. This is a, this mm. is a good one. This is a, this is a song about the, the utter absence of a sweetie baby. Of a sweetie baby. <laughs> this is the song about the haunting echoes of the, of no sweetie baby. <laughs> In your it's in like, your den, it's like Hey Nineteen because if you played this song at like CVS, you know people would just exactly. be kind of been like humming along without having any idea what is actually going on in the song. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on that note, just we got to do a yeah. quick sidebar because I saw this was a this was a big conversation that bubbled up on Twitter uh, last week. Cuervo Gold, the weed or cocaine? Well, no, the fine. Or, excuse Colombian. me, fine Colombian uh, weed <laughs> or cocaine? Uh, you know what Cuervo Gold is. I thought it was Coke until David Crosby actually chimed in yeah. and said it was unquestionably weed. Cros for his okay. words. And uh given his his uh background and life story, I'm I'm gonna defer to him on that. So that's fair. He's probably yeah. the one that uh that would know. The fine Colombian uh was weed. It, it's it changes the meaning of the song on a cellular level. I think it, yeah, it does, because like the like the narrator, right? Because is the narrator the type of guy who's trying to just like smoke a smoke a really no, swaggy doobie, <laughs> or is he trying to like get this girl like hopped up and coked out of her mind? I think it's the fine, it's the best weed that you could get. Used to be Colombian weed, which is like just, just like dirt. And it's probably the bo- boomers and the replies today. were like, no, that. Fine Colombian were mids. Or something. Oh, really? The person, the person, yeah. the person that I, called themselves a boomer, B O O M X R, in your replies, <laughs> fucking made me lose my shit. I did um, not know that that was a real term. Wait, wait, somebody did that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's a joke. Come on. <laughs> no, Nobody's, it didn't seem like it. Nobody who's over the age of fifty knows what mids even means. Uh, uh, anyway, my Waterloo. Uh, What's next? Love that he's writing a song about uh, Napoleonic history at this point. It's, uh, you know, um, he's just, he's killing it. I think it's just a metaphor there. You're my Waterloo. You got you to know what, what Waterloo means. Yeah, you do. What does it mean for the listener at home who doesn't it's, know? It's uh, the side of Napoleon's uh, final kind of uh, defeat. Last stand, yeah. Yeah, his, his charging up uh, the, the, whatever it was, the hills or the mountain of Waterloo, and then the British were laying on the other side just ready to roast his ass once he got up. Um, it's a, it's a, being, being his Waterloo, not a good thing. Yeah. No, I, I think that is a, it's, it's, it's about, it's the prequel to Girlfriend. This. <laughs> sure. Another uh, one that there's uh, there's some good live uh, footage of of Walt doing with Steely Dan. He, he's such a great live performer too. Like uh, one thing, I, as much as I love his voice, I, I really love um, his voice on those live recordings. It's a little bit more reverb, and mm-hmm. he just like seeing him and his like expressions while he performs. Uh, there's just a lot of soul there that I feel like is missed a little bit on this album. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I do. Uh, I do recommend like 
tracking down some of these songs as performed by Celia, especially also the arrangements. Right. We'll the, uh, add the, horns and stuff or, or you know, vibraphone and, and other instruments, which kind Dawn, of flushes them out a bit. Dawn on the guitar. Oh, yeah. Production wise, the, the thing that we could knock the record for, I think, um, is that it is a bit turgid. I mean, you could make that uh, assessment of yeah. it, that it, it does have kind of a stiffness to it that these songs might have come alive a bit more had they been um, let to have a little bit more air, like to breathe a bit. And it sounds like that's what happens when they're played live. Um, as, as they are though, they're, they're so tight and full of fun details that I don't think it's really something that takes away too much. I think, the, yeah, the I, I, yeah, there is definitely sort of like an antiseptic quality to this album, uh, the way mm-hmm. it sounds and feels. But I think like it makes sense because it, it's very of the moment, right? It's like, you know, in 1994, like you, you've got digital recording at this point. Um, it, everything can be like, you know, technically absolutely perfect if you want it to be the way that they always mm-hmm. wanted it to be back when they were, you know, still in the analog days uh, as the Dan. Um, but it also brings with this, it brings with it this sense of like, like, um, like it, it, the the sense of being in a room, right, is 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 sucked out. There's there's no air here. They're not. It's it's not real live, warm. It's compressed. It's kind of like uh, behind glass. It's it's like frozen, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it it does give it this kind of ugly kind of quality. Uh, but again, I think I think that kind of like it suit it suits the music. It suits the moment yeah, to some definitely. degree. You know. This it's a product a... of the time, I right, think, exactly. more than anything. And I, I think it actually affects Comic Curiot a lot more. Yes. That's, that's, my, that's my personal... Like, th- this album, it's not that big of a deal. I think Comic Curiot, it, it, like... I don't know. I have... I still have production cracked. on that album. I haven't I, cracked Comic Curiot yet. Like, I yeah. keep listening to it and, like, waiting for it to, like, finally yeah. hit me and be like, oh, this is fucking, like, insane. Yeah. Floor Room <laughs> is a bop. Tomorrow's Girls, also great. Uh, Snowbound, incredible. But like a lot of it's just like kind of I don't know I got I got to put some more time in with it. It's this one is way more fun to me than Kamikiri added between the two. Yeah, I think I like this album better, but you know maybe if I went through the process of you know talking it out, right. I'd, I'd find well, more I'm like sure, there. I'm sure you'll get the chance to <laughs> at some point. There's only so many ridiculous uh, records from their post prime era that oh, we can yeah. uh, we can uh, mill into content. It's one of point out that the bass line in this song is pretty crazy and i like it a lot and the the way that song ends is also uh fun just this like kind of goofy synth no it's got a sort of a super mario sunshine you know i can't believe that uh you just said that because the thought flickered in my mind for a moment and then died i wasn't gonna say anything this is walter you know i mean walter becker was literally on isle delfino Delfino. my (laughs) delfino in maui growing avocados all right uh he was this is his uh this is the super mario sunshine of steely dan (laughs) <laughs> oh god damn it <laughs> this is the Fuck. stupidest fucking episode we've ever done um no it's not no it's, uh, it's honestly one of the smartest ones we've ever done this is good po- actually yes good point it's one of the biggest brand ones we've done <laughs> this moody bastard is next it was great title great title it sounds you know great title the the music sounds like 
the music made by Moody Bastard. This guy's not, you know, he's not vibing anymore. The way that this intro happens, it sounds kind of like the music that would be in the background of like a point and click PC game of like mm-hmm. like like Pajama Sam or something. Mm. This kind of has this like, uh, I I I guess I just described it as well as I could. I, I don't have any more to say about that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the Casio sounds um, of the early '90s were used in a lot of like. Like, you know the video games of that time so it's right. hard not to make those mental so especially since like growing up during that mm-hmm. time you know that's that's where my brain goes in terms of just like a, a quick association a musical association right yeah year, year of my birth uh this record oh yeah 94 great year great year for music honestly great cultural year <laughs> um what's this moody bastard about it's about a moody bastard a uh, little friend of mine, can you still recall our salad days between the ivy walls beneath the autumn sun? When all is said and done, we were good. We're a good combination. We were good, clean fun. Uh, it's kind of a he's reminiscing. It's a college uh, flame. Yeah. I started I think, smiling. The ivy walls. Yeah, that's definitely college. Uh these days, it's like a tomb amid the stacks of gloom, looking out the window in the downstairs room. Uh, oh, yeah, the stacks, like the library stacks. I didn't pick that up. You're totally right. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It's the sequel to uh, My Old School. This movie, yeah. And then the day boils over, and there's nothing there, but a room full of smoke and a lot of hot air. This moody bastard remembers you were some kind of friend even then. Yeah, uh, this moody bastard... He's talking about himself. The mind wanderings of the average Dilly Dan fan thinking about, you know, the college flame. Right. Yeah. All <laughs> high on weed at a Steely Dan show and zoning out <laughs> a sax solo. Uh, I can't wait. I'm, I'm seeing him next month. I can't wait to just be in a crowd nice. of all those guys. It's going to be uh, so cool. Yeah. Subject my girlfriend to the most, or excuse me, fiance <laughs> to the most miserable 90 minutes of her life. I like the the way that this song ends. He's kind of acknowledging that he was maybe maybe not prepared or to be emotionally available at the time of whatever this relationship was. Um, and here at the end, he says, this moody bastard, uh, once in a great while, he needs one. He needs uh, some kind of friend now and again. Once in a blue moon, could use one, this moody bastard. Sort of realizing like, you know, I'm I'm a bit of a loner. I'm a bit of a I'm not, I'm not the easiest guy to get to know. I may, might be a little abrasive. I'm very very deeply alone. I'm so alone. Uh, he's so got a lot to give. He's got a lot to give. Uh, I don't. He's saying I don't have a lot to give, but uh, that doesn't mean that I don't should, want to. Shouldn't something. be given something. Yeah. Yeah. I should still get something, even though I'm. I mean, we can only infer what what uh, counts as moody bastard behavior. I think we all know uh, on some level. We, we all are in moody bastard mode at, at some point, you know? Uh, again, cannot relate. Sure. Um, <laughs> next is... All right, here we go. Here's the fuck, Here's the star of the show, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Penultimate track. This is why it's called 11 Tracks of Whack. This is why... <laughs> this, this is the is wackest track. Is, yeah, it's the whack track. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're, of course, talking about Hat Too Flat. 
I don't even know how to just begin describing this song. It's uh, it's an. I mean, they wrote a lot of songs about weird little guys. That's something that is <laughs> yeah. tweeted out like monthly, and Steely Dan Twitter is like, Steely Dan wrote a lot. Well, this is you know a weird little alien guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they took it to that next extreme by just making the weird little guy an actual extraterrestrial. They covered every weird type of guy on <laughs> yeah. planet Earth, and so once they got it to this point, they had to go just extraterrestrial, intergalactic to find a new type of weird guy. We come in on the morning scan all the way from far Arcturus, bringing with us peace and goodwill from the margins of space and time. That's, that's how this that's, song I'll begins. I'll tell you what a song right there. <laughs> Our women are slung down low to the ground. They're very good. You've probably had one. Our men are brave, studly, and wise. A pleasure to behold. <laughs> My God. Keep going, because there's no other way to, like... Explain right, this song. Right away we walk the walk, more or less we talk the talk. But every time we make our play, their eyes get wide, they run away. Because the and, hat stays too flat. And then it Just, goes big, baby, because the hat stays too flat. The hat stays too flat. My hat is way too flat. My English is much better now. But my hat remains too flat. Man smells a rat. And that's the end of it. My hat is way too flat. My English, my English, she is much better now, but my hat remains too flat. Uh, okay. So are we to, is this like, are we to assume, is this about an alien who has a weird shaped head, but otherwise looks like a human man? And then the, what is he talking about? With uh, yeah, hat? I think, I think, I think but his head is shaped wrong. His hat is shaped wrong. His hat is too flat because his head is not. Um, oh, I see what you mean. I yeah, think that his head his doesn't head fill appropriately. The right, hat. right, right. Cause he's he got has a weird, head. weird flat head because he's an <laughs> alien. <laughs> And he's he's a rough approximation of a human male and can kind of speak English. But then they notice that his hat. Um, I mean, his hat could be his head. He could be mixing up the words. That's a oh, good my point. His English, English is, is not, not too yeah, good. That's a great my point. My hat remains yeah. too flat. Maybe he means, means the top of his head, but he thinks the word for oh that is God. hat because that's oh what it is God. in his language. This yeah, is really that's this is incredible. Really... What you just you've just unlocked something. This is a fucking weird song. <laughs> this is why we have you on, Alex. You blow the doors right, right well, off. Right off the, the thing hat. I, yeah, one of the things I love, I mean, besides everything, um, <laughs> one of the things that I just really love about this song is the way it resolves itself in the chorus, both musically, because it's so dissonant and with these weird synth sounds yes. that probably get, like, with every passing year, become even, like, weirder and more alien more sounding it, yeah. as we get further from, like, what a this like moment. 1994 MIDI sounding keyboard is like, but also just like the, the, like the resolution of um, the chorus being the, about the hat too flat. Like, where did he come up with that? It's just so, <laughs> just such a strange and, and bizarre. I, I don't the met, like not metaphor. I mean, we don't really know what it is, but it's um, yeah, it's a, <laughs> a little thing like that. They don't get past the hat. My English is more better now, but my hat remains too flat. Hat is too flat. It's his too flat. 
my flat. hat flat. is fl- too flat. This reminds <laughs> me of you know that little clip that goes around of of Walt and and Don doing that fucking weird dance. That oh, in the studio, thing. the little like do 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 like yeah, robo they, they walk are or whatever. Being the hat <laughs> too flat. They're being Arcturians or wherever the <laughs> this uh, planet is. They they're doing this like bizarre little like shuffle like tiny steps dance where they're like at a weird angle with their arms like a fork um these guys these guys yeah, I mean, are my god i mean the song could be about walt himself right like trying to become a normal guy after yeah. a life of you know debauchery and, and rock excess. and roll or whatever yeah. you want to call it yeah i don't know i think i mean this song is basically the same as hey 19 um, except instead of instead of like a Boston like uh, uh, educated uh, you know uh, PMC pervert trying to pick up a, a college girl, it's uh, with with outdated Aretha Franklin references. It's a literal alien coming and trying to pick up a girl, but it, instead of being shut down because uh, she doesn't know who Aretha Franklin is, he's being shut down because because he has, he has a some sort of horrifically head. malformed head. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's a different type of head than a, uh, than a normal than a human man. Uh, there's also um, this breakdown in the middle. Fair Arcturus fashion forecast: skirts will be shorter, legs stay long. Virtual raincoats are coming back. Hats, as always, continued flat. Continued flat. The my English, she is much better now. Kills me. My hat is way too flat. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's what this song was about. Until now, I just uh, didn't know. I, I can't. I cannot get enough of it. It's just and and musically the plonking, just ugliest burr, synthesizer burr, sound burr, you've ever burr, heard. Burr, yeah, burr, I've been, burr, and then the burr. way it bursts into that just like beautiful, like just like almost anthemic kind of chorus, like you were talking about, Alex. It's just I love it. It's so good. Hat two flat mode. Uh, last track. The twelfth track of Wax. The twelfth track of Wax. So and, uh, here we are at the end. Do you want to? Yeah. Do you want to reveal it to us? Yeah, the reason I'll, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a tribute to his son, whose name was Kawhi. Oh, okay. So and he's so uh, be, the song is about his son, and his son isn't whack, right? I so see. it's eleven Aww, tracks. But that's this the is sweetest it. possible <laughs> reason. I love I that. Wow. I know. Did he talk about that like in an interview or something? It's somebody I, I've read it somewhere. I, I've, sure. It has been mentioned or, or revealed at some point by Walt himself. So yeah. Yeah. Well, um, that, I mean, that makes sense because, like, of the twelve songs on this record, this is the one that sounds totally different lyrically, has a totally different subject matter. It's the one that isn't whack. There's eleven whack songs, and there's one that isn't. And uh, it's the one about his kid. That is so beautiful. I love that. That's great. What an unexpectedly, you know, you get you get to the end of this this insane record about heroin junkies and dead <laughs> dead hang gliders and, and incels and aliens trying to pick up earth women yeah <laughs> and, then, and then you get to this like complete out of left field like heart on sleeve tribute to his son that's ah, uh, that that's just uh, so touching wow beautiful you're not whack yeah. son <laughs> my my son is not whack uh uh we should talk about the the cover um I mean, if unless you, we we do want to touch on the song, it's just a very sweet little song about um, that just speaks of sort of uh, the love a father has for his his golden boy. Uh, there you go. And uh, on, they're on in Hawaii, and and they're 
they're, they're squirt guns and it's it's fun. They're yeah, it sounds nice like his, his son's a bit of a rascal, right? Uh, yeah. Tiny holes and brand new windows from an unknown BB gun. Here's a note from Miss Turnbull. Certain homework was not done, but they don't love you, little Kawhi, not the way that I do. Yeah. Love it. Ah. Uh, Straight love- to IHOP where it's yes. well known. The world's <laughs> junkest pancakes junkest are maple pancakes. syrup on those French fries. <laughs> They say it's yeah, maple like syrup food. on fries. It's like a commercial with the father and son being all goofy. Yeah, yeah the exactly. maple syrup on the French fries. They say it's no good for you, but you're still growing, little Kawhi. What do they know? Do they love you? Not the way that I do. Not, Not the, way the way that, that I, do. I do. That's what. This is I'm, honestly one of the most uh, adorable. This is such a sweet song. It's shocking. It, it somehow like balances out the entire rest of this record <laughs> by yes. just being so pure, so sweet, and so uh, touching. And that everything else before, uh, yeah, it is whack as fuck. It's <laughs> deeply whack. The vibes are whacked. Yes. <laughs> yeah, not fucked vibes, whacked vibes. Um, speaking of which, yeah, so the cover, right? Um, yeah. Extremely 1994-looking image and design in general. Uh, this kind of gritty all lowercase like typewritery looking font yeah, the, right the, for Walter Becker like the world gone wrong went. type of yes thing. exactly um and then this like oddly distorted image <laughs> the, where he's like kind of like slightly too wide yeah it it's, like. it's also like bluish it's all like bluish grainy bluish gray um it looks like it was taken on, on like the Game Boy camera Ga- yes Game Boy camera <laughs> like I wonder what it actually was taken on and if the back cover i don't know if you've seen the back cover but i haven't as seen the back our cover. Want, we have to look that up it is um the vibes are are fucked on the back cover i mean they're whacked uh, it's like a windshield with a a a, a baseball bat like baseball crashed bat, yeah. into it and it's like a, it's kind of like a weird the bat is whacking yeah right? it's being whacked there you go <laughs> i mean drags of whack it's just like a dark it's kind of this like the bad, the bad vibes really shine on the back cover of Tracks of Whack. The back has whack all over it. Um, the back is whack. <laughs> back is way too whack. My back is way too whack. <laughs> my my track is, is way too whack. My tracks are way too whack. <laughs> I got to make one about my son. I feel like our brains are melting at this <laughs> yeah, point. Yeah, no, this is it's coming out of my ears. My hat, my hat is too flat. Yeah. Uh, or do back on Arc, what's it, Arcturus? Arcturus, yeah, yeah exactly. Oh, uh, three stars. Yeah. 11, 11 tracks of whack, three stars. Uh, same. This is a three no stars question. record. Uh, it's, yeah, three stars in the book of liars. Right. Three silver stars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, um, any final thoughts, anyone? Join us next time for Circus Money. I can't wait to see what that fucking. <laughs> no, that one. That one comes later. I would have yeah. to like emotionally steal we, myself. Yeah, we got to recharge. This that. has been um, <laughs> just a, a a wild ride. This this wow, is from really, start to finish. Really a uh, a journey into the into the wackest into the dopest part. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to. You can cut this last part out, but there's. There's one of the songs that they actually performed more than any other song on this mm-hmm. album is one of the uh, outtakes. Is it? Um... Sorry, that's not true. Book of Liars is the most. What? what what's song. the other one? The other one is called Fall of 92, and it pops up on a lot of the bootlegs. Whoa. And it is incredible. 
it has these very strange chords and it's another one of his sort of like miserable bastard like narrator songs um this and record i think the reason it was left... one more of those. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> what it was it, there's also no real chorus it's just sort of like a lot of verses um but i think the real reason it was left off is the song ends with walt impassionately singing thanks to george bush and those nazis down in washington dc wow. damn way way down in washington dc and there's a ton of live footage of him singing it so he was comfortable enough to sing this song live but not enough to put it on the album but i i strongly if you got if you're a fan of the record and you, you want one more hit of that whack i strongly recommend go on youtube uh you know look up steely dan 1993 live because there's several really really good performances um of walter singing this like his vocal performance on this song live is like my favorite thing he's ever done like it's so good i'll definitely is... have to check that out <laughs> i i have a theory though of why it wasn't included yeah which is that okay that thing he said at the end about george bush being a nazi <laughs> that's not whack that's that's being correct <laughs> well that's i mean this is perfect this politics is, this is the based song that was yeah, left it's, off it's, of the, the, <laughs> it's the opposite of cringe maker it's it's yeah. based and so it, it would yeah. have thrown off the whole balance of a uh, little quiet at the end being the only non-whack track yeah i'm also looking that's at the sure. lyrics uh right now for, uh for this song uh first verse last thing i remember before it all went wrong back in the fall of 92 we were skipping rocks across the water till the tourists were all gone then I slipped it to you sideways right there on the beach in Malibu. Bringing all right. it all Bring it back, all back home. <laughs> Bring it all back around. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you uh, to, uh, the, uh, to, to the Bad Dan Takes, uh, uh, to you, Alex, to everyone listening, <laughs> um, and to, I was going to say something about like the, the spirit of, of Hawaii, the spirit of the Hawaiian <laughs> islands. <laughs> Thank you to all the, uh, the, the villagers, uh, on Isle Delfino. Isle Delfino. <laughs> to, our, to the people of Isle Delfino. Uh, you can look up on our, uh, in the episode description, what the, the situation that's going on in Isle Delfino right now and how you can help. <laughs> yes. But we'll, we'll have a uh, GoFundMe there. Uh, also, go cop before it's before it's too late. Go cop a go cop some some shit, some teas, some hats. Uh, get it now before it's gone because uh, you know it. Uh, things go fast these days, so don't miss out. Don't wait. Don't you dare miss it. Uh, Jokerman dot shop uh, for some good uh, good merch, good clothes. Thanks so much, Alex. Um, uh, thank you guys. Yeah, this is. Uh, it's fun as all. I, I mean, I love doing this album. There's just something about this one that's yeah. This is honestly it's a great think, one to just yeah. kind of hash it out through it's to just riff on exactly format. Sunday yeah. Sunday afternoon bullshit session. It's perfect. Uh, yeah. This is uh, ideal. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we'll see you. We'll see you down the line, folks. Uh, I'm sure <laughs> we'll we'll get to uh, everything. Must go next. Jokerman. Last thing I remember. Thought all went wrong back in the fall of '92. We were skipping rocks across the water till the tourists were all gone. Then I slipped it to you sideways right there on the beach in Malibu. Well, there was nothing we wouldn't do then. No place we wouldn't go All in our fallen 
Washington, D.C. 